We want to welcome everyone else joining us by television, wherever you are. It's just great to have you join us. We always pray for leaders. And so let's do that right now together. Father, thank you for the power of prayer. We pray for the leaders across our nation. Premiers, prime minister, leaders in business, education, leaders in health care. Father, we ask for their salvation if they don't know you. We ask that your spirit speak to them during the night seasons, that you bring them courage, and that, Father, they follow freedom in every area. Father, we pray right now for those who are sick, losing jobs, in the midst of all that is going on. We thank you for the favor and the blessing of God upon them and that the future is bright and that, Father, you see us through. We thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. I'm going to talk today about a really fascinating topic. I want to talk to you about praying during difficult times. I want to talk to you about keys that so many people miss or don't even know. I was in one of our services, and after the service, uh, we, have a, we had a main aisle that came right up to the front, and people were leaving, and all of a sudden, this gentleman, I don't know, 10, 14 rows back, starts walking slowly towards me, and I had ended the service, and dressed in all black, dyed his hair jet black, white makeup on his face, just walked in this intimidating way straight down the aisle. And so I just waited for him. And he stops in front of me and he goes, do you know who I am? I said, yeah, you're the guy who thinks he's going to kill me. Oh, no, not think I am. Now, I had received a whole bunch of threatening threats about someone trying to kill me and people who were going to help him, blah, 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 blah. So this guy was, I don't know what he was up to. So I just looked at him and I started to kind of laugh. He didn't like that. And I said, you know, I said, the presence and the power of God that is upon me and the angels that are around me, like, you're crazy. You, you're just crazy. There's no hope. And you, I said, you actually worship and serve the devil. And I hit it right on the net. Yeah, I do, because he's got power. I said, dude, you're so hopelessly, hopelessly outnumbered. He's one fallen angel. Like, come on. And then he looked at me, and it just, he's got this shocked look on his face. And he said, well, yeah. He said, like, my daughter needs a miracle. So it went from you're going to kill me to my daughter needs a miracle. And I said, Okay, what does she need? He said, well, she can't walk properly. Her ankles were malformed when she was born. Would you pray for her? I said, absolutely. So he left. I waited 20 minutes for him to bring this little girl back. Long story short, I shared at length in some of the other series we do. God touched her and she walked, just walked across the floor in front of everybody. Gave his life to Christ. And then he, and then he told me his story of how He'd gone to church, was a follower of Christ, and how they, that anytime he prayed, nothing ever got answered. He had some major letdowns in his life, and he got so angry because the church kept talking about the devil and how powerful the devil is, and you gotta bind him here and do this and do that, that he said, fine, if he's got more power than God, then I'm serving him. And he did. 
And uh, he had never recognized that maybe he had never been taught the principles of powerful prayer. And so I want to give you a few of them today. And I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. I could teach probably for hours on each one because they're just so gorgeous, so profound, and so interesting. And uh, But I want to just give you a number of them, and we'll, we'll always be teaching on that here at our church. And uh, so I just encourage you to always maintain a real faithful attendance as you can hear the teaching of God's Word. Interesting place in the Bible. Let's just start with this one. Jesus is talking in John 16, 23, and he tells his disciples something that kind of shocked him. He says, all right, from now on, you're not going to ask me for anything. And they went, what? Because they asked Jesus for everything. Up to that point, Jesus, could you heal this person? Jesus, we got no food here. Jesus, where do you want to go? Jesus, there's a storm. And so he says, in that day, you're going to ask me for nothing. But verily, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He's going to give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name? Ask, and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So you understand that as Christians, we're, we're used to using the name of Jesus. Oh, we, we use it all the time. But back then it was never used. They prayed to God, and the disciples always asked Jesus, and he prayed to God. Because Jesus had direct access. Jesus had a phenomenal uh, ability to pray and the power of God would flow off him. People would get healed. He'd walk on water. He'd do all sorts of things. Uh, but here he's saying now, no, now you just use my name. And as you go into the teaching of the word, you'll find out that the name of Jesus has been given to every born again believer as the power of attorney. When you have power of attorney, it means that it is just like the person you represent. Access to all assets, access to all their bank accounts, access to wherever they could sign their name with authority and power, you've got it. So Jesus is saying here right off the hop uh, that you and I now, we go straight to God, but we do it in Jesus' name. And some people it's, it's, say, well, is it that important? You think God's going to ignore me? No, I'm just showing you there's an important truth here because you're to pray to God. But when you pray to God, you are praying with everything that Jesus did on the cross for you. He took the curse of the law. He took your sin. He rose again, gave you a new nature in your heart. And so now that when you pray, it is like Jesus praying. In fact, the Bible says, and we've talked about this before, as he is Jesus, so are we in this world. You walk and talk as Jesus himself. My, how religion has destroyed prayer. Where all prayer is today is some kind of psychological relief for a real messed up situation. And we sure hope God's going to show up. Most people I listen to and many pastors I pray with around the world are praying Old Testament prayers. And they've never thought that the New Testament has changed prayer. It's radically changed prayer. There is hardly any difference. I mean, there's a massive difference between Old Testament praying and New Covenant praying. Even Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, they're not in the New Covenant yet. They are Old Testament books, but they are what we would call transitional books between the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. So first off, I just want to tell you, if you're into bugging and pleading with God or screaming at the devil, you're just not 
understanding new covenant. You will be frustrated. You might see little glimpses of miracles here and there, but you are to have every prayer answered when it is done according to God's will. Prayer was not to be a hit and miss. Let's just shoot a bunch of shots at the sky. Let's sure hope one gets through. Prayer would be something that, that every time it works. And so it's crucial that we know the principles of this new covenant. It was stunning to me when I actually learned this was what prayer was. And just like that man walking down who thought he was, he was there so crazy, he was going to commit murder. And he was a believer who just got so turned off because no one could teach him how to pray. And he was all, this guy came out and just sat under the word and just listened to the word in our church as he began to find out where the power was and how to use that power. Another key is we must understand that to function and to walk in an increasing power on your prayer life, because your power in your prayer life increases. You say, well, what do you mean? God likes me better? No, because power doesn't come from heaven. It's very clear it comes out of you. Greater is he who is in heaven than he who is in the world? No, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So your heart's ability to release the torrents of living water are crucial. And as you grow in faith and as you grow in an understanding, prayer, praying for people, touching people, speaking to things, that, that anointing just grows on the inside of you. It's not an asking God from a permission perspective. It's like asking God, like you're sitting at a table and saying, pass the peas, please. You're not asking them for permission to have peas. But they're passing you something that is within their reach. So when you look at the word, you have not because you ask not. The other definition, there's a couple of them, is declare. You have not because you declare not is just as accurate as saying you have not because you ask not. And when you put that in there, you say, well, of course you can ask, but you're not asking like, please, God, would you do something? No, he says, speak to mountains. You can't find them praying over people after the cross. All they did was speak in the name of Jesus. Demon-possessed girl giving fortunes, get out of there. Man with faith sitting in a service, Paul saw he, had, saw he had faith to be healed. Stand up, he was healed. They just used the name of Jesus. Walked by the gate, beautiful. Peter and John, and the men's arms for the poor, silver and gold by number. What I have, I give you. Get up and walk in Jesus' name. It wasn't, God, could you? Is what I have, I give you. This is a difference between the Old Testament and the New that people don't want to touch. And pastors feel like, you can't preach that way, Leon, because that's, that, that, that's, that's arrogant. That's like you're bossing God around. No, it's very clear that the inheritance, if my dad gives me an inheritance while he's alive, and says, here's your inheritance. Every time I go access it, I'm not bossing him around. Right. It's been given to me. And that is through the Pauline epistles everywhere that the inheritance has been given. So we're still sitting around buggy. And if you get too demonstrative, oh, you think, who are you to boss God? You don't even get it. It's a done deal. You know, 2 Peter chapter 1 teaches us here that we have been given all things that pertain to life already. And the way you access this is through the divine promises. You load the divine promises into your heart, like you're 
plugging shotguns in your gun, and then you just go ahead and have some fun. That's what's so fantastic about the Bible. Meditate in the Word. Get it on the inside of you. Learn to walk and understand new covenant prayer. Otherwise, you're stuck in an old covenant that no longer works. This heart is crucial, and the heart is the very core. It is, it is the autopilot for your life, and in your heart is like a tap. And as you learn to establish God's word in your heart, as you learn to get to know Jesus, this tap gets bigger and bigger until you watch some of the things. Like Jesus, uh, he was just walking through a crowd. And a woman with an issue of blood, which back then would have gotten her stoned for walking in public, grabs the hem of his garment. And Jesus just goes, who touched me? And the Bible says, because power went out of him. Okay, I know you've heard this preached on a hundred times if you're a Christian. Let me give you a thought on this. Jesus didn't decide whether or not power went out of him. Think about that for a minute. He didn't decide. She put a demand on the presence of God that was upon him. Translations even say that, that she reached out and put a demand. And then he says, who touched me? Everybody was touching him. But one put a demand on the power, had understood faith, had understood something, and and it's a, and as we're going from this transitional old covenant to this new covenant, we're beginning to get glimpses of something that Jesus, the Son of God, God Himself, Emmanuel, God with us, is walking the planet, and humans can reach out and just touch Him, and wham, the power of God flows without Him making a conscious decision, because it was just there for her to touch and to take. Bible says Peter's shadow healed people. Now, there's no way it healed everybody because Jesus couldn't in his hometown heal people because they didn't honor him. But people who came out, who knew how to touch God, they did it through the presence of God radiating off of Peter. We've got to understand that you, as a born-again believer, can increase this sense of God, the power of God that flows from your life so that when you speak words, they hit. I've listened to preachers preach when I go to conferences around the world, and some of them are wordsmiths. I mean, I'm writing down their nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs as they say them because they say them so incredible. And then another speaker will get up and speak in halting English because he's from Africa or he is from India. And as he's speaking, the presence of God just fills this place because it's not the articulation of words that determines the presence of God. The articulation of words can help open up the mind. I think we should all work at speaking well and doing what we do. But if you do not have the life of God, there's two kinds of life on the planet, physical life and then the presence of God, the Zoe life of God. And this is where you and I need to learn to release this presence of God. It, that's why I got to get going. Like I said, I could preach on each one. Jesus says in John 14, 12, he says, greater works 
than I do will you do. And then he says, and you're going to have a helper do it with you. Who's this helper? He says it's going to be Holy Spirit. I don't pray alone. I pray with the help of Holy Spirit. I don't speak to mountains alone. I speak with the help of Holy Spirit. God's not withdrawn or holding back. His eyes roam to and fro over the earth to find someone on whose behalf he can move quickly. But religion has made us look at God. Well, I sure hope God answers that one. He's a reluctant God. And people watch us pray and worship God. We need help. As though, how are we going to talk him into it? And they kind of go, oof, I don't know if I want to serve your God. Your God seems like pretty hard to get to do anything. And then their doctrine is, why did God allow it? And, and it's kind of like you running into somebody running a red light and going, Leon, why did you allow it? And I went, huh? I had nothing to do with that. So he's our helper. In Psalms chapter 30 and verse 5, it says, Weeping may last a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I want you to understand something. We're not in heaven yet, so we've got battles. We're not in heaven yet, and so there's going to be stuff. And there's a kingdom of darkness, and there's a kingdom of light, and there's never been a demilitarized zone. It's always been killing and stealing and destroying. Sometimes you see it pop up in one country, sometimes through this, sometimes through that. It can be through wars, it can be through viruses, it can be through evil leaders, it can be through a combination of them all. The kingdom of God has always been under attack. So people who have learned to pray, people who know who they are, it's, it's nothing new. Joy is in our future. Why? Because joy always comes in the morning. It doesn't say weeping lasts for a night. Oh, for a lot of you, it's going to be forever. But there'll be a few of you that have some joy in the morning. No. It says if you're going through something. And by the way, you're going to have hurts. Like you're going to lose your great-grandparents one day. Then you're going to lose your grandparents one day. Then you're going to lose your parents one day then you're going to lose your siblings one day because nobody lives forever. So we can't live in this Pollyanna world that kind of goes, everything's going to be fine. Just ignore everything. Everything's going to be fine. No. We want to know what's going on so I can speak to it. And if it's not a part of the promises of God, then I'm not accepting it. And I'm going to continue to speak to it. Now, in James 1.19, it gives us another key to prayer. It says, understand this, my beloved brethren. Let every man be quick to hear, a ready listener, slow to speak, slow to take offense, and to get angry. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness that God wishes and requires. The problem with anger is that anger clouds the mind and wisdom is speaking to you. Proverbs says wisdom cries aloud in the streets, in the concourses of business, in the palaces of power, in your home, your bedroom, your office. Wisdom is crying aloud. In other words, it is yours instantly to solve every problem. And Ecclesiastes 10 teaches us that a wise poor man is better than a king with a big army. I want wisdom. But some Christians, they get angry and mad and they stomp their feet and curse the darkness. And well, why don't you just get some wisdom? And then why don't we pray? 
Why don't we speak to mountains? We have to make decisions as Christians so that we're not just walking around feeling like, well, I don't know what we can do. We should be praying. Praying is a stunning ability to release the power of God. It says in John chapter 7, that out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. One version, it says torrents of gushing water. It's talking about this stunning, well, well, Leon, I don't see that much. Yeah, me neither. You walk, go around thinking, well, pray, come on, get up and speak the word. Well, yeah. And, and, and you'll teach people, and you, then you'll ask them a month later, have you done any of the teaching on prayer? Well, you know, I've been a little bit busy. Dude. That's pride. You see no reason to pray to God. You'll just do it yourself. It's pride. And so prayer is crucial. Our attitude needs to be, we don't need to get angry. We don't need to try to use the arm of flesh to make things happen. And the Bible teaches us how to overcome evil with good. Any person you're dealing with, the Bible says you're not dealing with him because that's a flesh and blood body. You're dealing with the power that is behind it. And behind everything is either the dark kingdom or the kingdom of light. How do you know which? Because Jesus said his kingdom always gives life and more abundantly. Life and health, life and finance, life and business, life for everything. But the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So anything that steals from you, kills, or destroys you, the kingdom of darkness is behind it. You can go, well, that person's, I didn't say the person's doing it to you. They could be a naive person doing something that's hurting you. So get up and bind the spirit that's behind it. The Bible says that you can speak to, to the enemy and command him to go. Now, I don't, I'm not demon conscious. But every once in a while when something comes up, like the guy walking down, I have no problem speaking or someone trying to pray the, speak the word of God and bind the enemy. And when the Bible says you have his, this power, this power literally expels him. It pushes him out. There's times I'll, I'll be praying and look, I'll go, hmm, Satan, I command the situation right now with this person, done, stopped off. Or I pray right now over this relative of mine or this person in our church or this attack going on here. I command the assignment of the enemy behind that person. And you want to get your eyes on the person because, man, they can be vindictive and, and condescending and argumentative and take you on and make you look foolish. And you want to just take them on back. That's the enemy's trick. No, no, no. Walk with wisdom. And then at the same time, when you pray, you just pray and command that assignment to stop in the name of Jesus. The power that we have in the name of Jesus is so amazing. It's so stunning. And you don't need to worry about people. You know, this guy was, I've I, I had other people say, we are praying and we're putting curses on you. And I said, please don't. <laughs> Why not? Because people who curse me, their arrows enter their own heart. Their sword enters their own body. The pit they dig, they fall into. The net they spread, they get caught in. That's the blessing that's on me. You don't want to come against me. And they kind of look at me, <laughs> and then it starts to happen. I'll tell you a story that I love. It's in Numbers chapter 23, verses 18. The children of Israel are coming across the desert from Egypt to the promised land, and countries are scared because a cloud by day protects them from the hot sun, the babies, the children. A pillar of fire by night warms them up in the cold uh, desert nights. And, and these people, it's like anything they touch, they win. 
They just, nothing stops them. And so this king named Balak hires a prophet. Said, I'm going to pay you incredible money. I just want you to curse those people. Isn't it interesting that back in a day when witchcraft and idolatry is practiced, that these kings understood that you could curse things and release spirit forces in areas. And by the way, you can't. They're not that good, but you can do it. But not against children of God. So Balaam was the prophet's name. Balak was the king's name. He goes up, and it's a long story. I'll give you the really short version. He sacrifices to God, worships God, and says, God, what should I do? God sends him back with a whole message for the king. The part, because of time's sake, I'll give you, is he looks at the king and he says, Behold, I have received a command. All right, the king's commanding him to curse. He says, I have received a command. This command is to bless because he has blessed and I can't reverse it. Listen to me. You need to get it into your heart, your mind, that if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, he's died in your place. He's, the blessing is commanded on you, and it can't be reversed. You're going to have to like jump into that curse and believe it. It can't touch you. The blessing has been commanded on you. And it cannot be reversed. As you dive into how prayer works, in Hebrews 8, 6, it says that if you look at guys like Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Ruth and Esther and how stunning they were, they had an old covenant, we have a new covenant, and the new covenant is better, and our promises are better. And they parted red seas. They called down fire. I mean, they did incredible. And ours is better. What happened to the church? We started listening to eggheads who think they've got seminary, I mean cemetery, and after a few years they can teach the word of God and, and just erase it all. No, the presence and the power of God has been given to you and I. We've got to recognize this. If we don't, we'll just go on thinking that nothing can be changed. The Bible teaches us very clearly. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. Let's just skip ahead a few here. It says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Why? Because he's already given you the victory. So you're supposed to rejoice. We don't use the word rejoice in our society, but it literally means choose joy and make it happen. Well, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel authentic. He's not saying, are you happy? Happiness comes from happenings. He's saying, be joyful, rejoice, which means you find a prayer closet or somewhere and just are, God, you're good and I love you and I praise you. You're the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. You are Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I'm praising you and my body's going to praise you. You rejoice. If you practice that, you begin to release the presence of God on you, your family, your home, on everything around you. Then it says, pray without ceasing. Someone asked me, Pastor Leon, how much do you pray every day? I said, well, I dialed them up years ago and I just never hung up. What does that mean? I'm always in touch. Oh, there's different kinds of prayer I'll do. I might find quiet time prayer and shut everything off. Other times, whether I'm walking through a crowd, reading a crowd, got anything you want me to do here, talking, preaching, whatever I'm doing, I, I'm just staying 
I'm just staying dialed up. I'm not hanging up. And so that's an important part. Later on in 1 Thessalonians and verses 19 and 20, it says, don't quench the spirit. Wow. So you can quench the spirit of God in your, you can't quench him in my life, but you can quench him in your life. It's just a warning. And that, there's a whole topic there that needs to be looked at and studied and recognized that you could be quenching. You could be blaming God, but you could be quenching the Spirit of God in your life. The next line says, despise not prophesying. Let's end on this one. Despise not prophesying. What is prophesying? Well, Leon, that's when you go to church somewhere and find somebody that's going to tell you who you are and what you're going to do. That's pretty overrated. No, prophesying is declaring the Word of God over your life out loud. That's what prophesying is. If you go to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 to 10, God picks up Ezekiel the prophet and brings him into a valley full of dry bones. And he says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? It was a horrible sight because these were men who once had lives. Now these bones are bleached and vultures have ripped them off. And, and it's just a sign of absolute death to all dreams. Every dream every one of them had is gone. It's finished. It's done. It's a valley of dead dreams. And Ezekiel trying to be spiritual says, oh, only you know God. Or you can do anything, God. And you think God would just do it for him to prove to him how great he was, but he didn't. He said, Ezekiel, you prophesy to these bones. You tell the bones to come together. You tell the, the muscles and tendons to come on the bones. You tell the skin to come over. You tell the breath of life to come into this army. And it wasn't until Ezekiel spoke and prophesied to those bones. That's when it happened. These incredible Old Testament synopses everywhere are showing you and I pictures of this new covenant of the day that we live in today. That if the church is not going to pray, there's no one that's bringing about the dream of God. There's no one that's bringing about your dream for your family, your business, your marriage, your home, your country, your city, your province. You, you, well, what are we going to do? Get up and pray. Well, I've been asking God. It doesn't say ask God. It says speak to mountains. Prophesy to dead dreams. Prophesy to dead countries. Prophesy to dead leaders. Prophesy to wrong leaders. You know, Ecclesiastes 10 says there's an evil in the world. That when fools are in leadership and gifted people sit underneath them, that you're going to pay the price. That's why we pray for leaders. We don't want foolish people who don't understand leadership or God. So we pray for all leaders so that we can say, God, touch them, speak to them. Wherever they're not listening to you, move them out and put one right in because leaders have a big impact on our lives. You, you, yes, you need to be every day, just for now until you learn more and more, just practice the way Jesus prayed when he dealt with the enemy. He just said, it is written. Anytime you find a scripture in the Bible that touches you or go, look at this, just read it out loud and go, it is written. And then start reading the verses and that's mine in Jesus' name. That's all I got to say to start. Find promises on healing, find promises on nations. There's promises for nations and cities and people, righteous leaders. There's promises for health. There's promises for protection. If you've lost your career, there's promises. He never goes backwards. He only goes up. It's going to be better. 
trust him, declare it. My life just gets better. The light just grows brighter. God in my life makes everything that I do, everything I put my hand to prospers and comes to pass. Every promise I find, I simply speak it from the perspective of it is written and this is mine in Jesus' name. So Leon, you can't boss God around like that. I'm not bossing God around. He's already given it to me. And he's saying, you speak to the mountains. You speak to the dry bones. You speak to the tree. You speak to your body. You speak to the future. Declare, prophesy the word of the Lord. If you don't, then you allow somebody else's dream to become yours. And remember the message we just did. Goliath had a dream. It was to dominate, to kill, to have a throne, to make people their slaves. And believe me, there's lots of people on the planet today who want a throne, who are insecure enough to want power. So you must declare out loud, pray out loud. Why? Because the devil can't read your mind. So we pray out loud. We speak the word of God. This is how we start right now. These principles that I've given you, get it, go online, get this message and listen to it over and over till something in you goes, I'm not going to be silent. I refuse to be silent in my prayer closet. I'm going to speak his promises in, in the concourses. I'm going to speak wisdom. In the places of leadership, I'm going to speak wisdom. To the neighbors around me, I'm going to speak wisdom. Well, Leon, you know, people just kind of tired of talking about stuff. Well, then learn how to talk that brings life. Learn how to talk that brings wisdom. But to be quiet, that's yellow. It's not golden. The church, when it stops talking, we allow other dreams to take our countries, our cities, our children, our future. I'm not going to stop. Neither are you. Let's keep praying God's word. Father, I pray today that you just touch every man in this place and realize that our manhood is about partnering with Holy Spirit and prophesying the future. I pray for every woman in this place that they would refuse to let this generation go by and have father a world, a country, have stuff goes on that our kids have to deal with because we wouldn't rise up and pray and speak and act. Stir us up, stir them up across this nation and Father, let there be such a torrent of living water flowing out of the praying church that Father Canada walks in blessing, that leaders serve you, that Father, every decision that is made, the wisdom of God gets involved. Father, we declare this over our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.